Thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us this morning. The King of love has come. So troubled minds can know his peace and captive hearts can be released. The King of love has come. So troubled minds can know his peace and captive hearts can be released. Jesus, we, we stand in awe of you again this morning and um, just reflecting on who you are and what you have done. We just marvel. We, we just we bow the knee in worship and adoration and say you are awesome in this place, Jesus. We, we love your presence. We love the fact that you come and you, you work amongst us. So Jesus, would you come and help us again, even as we open up the scriptures, I pray that you'd bring your word to life. I pray that you bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. Would you help me this morning as I... I serve your church. I really want to ask Holy Spirit for your empowering presence here with us. And would you also help hearts to respond accordingly. We say you're welcome in this place. Would you just come and have your way in your church? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Morning, everyone. Just as always, a real privilege to get to um, share uh, truth from God's word with us. We will be uh, continuing with our series, uh, Jesus Is. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. Uh, and this morning, I will be uh, speaking to us on the whole subject of Jesus is the forgiver. I think it's quite exciting. And I think to a large extent or to a large degree, this morning has centered around the person of Jesus. We can't really have enough of Jesus. Jesus, uh, the forgiver. Last week, Andrew Band opened things up for us beautifully by helping us see the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. And if there's anything I took away from what Andrew shared with us, it was the fact that if we want to know what God is like, we only need to look at Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? If you want to know God's heart, you want to see and know what God is like. Just look at Jesus. He's very much the exact representation of God's being. This morning, we want to focus on Jesus, the forgiver. And so if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark and to chapter 2. We will read a couple of verses in there and then see what the Lord opens up to us. So Mark chapter 2 is quite a lengthy passage, but I think it's worth working through all of it. So Mark chapter 2 from verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening 
they left down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Just need to look up to check to make sure nobody's being lowered through the roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Such a powerful declaration. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table, in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So just give us a bit of a context to this story. So obviously Jesus is in Capernaum. People loved to be with Jesus. He comes in, soon as people hear he's in town, the house in which he's based at is surrounded by lots and lots and lots of people. The Bible says to us about these four friends who bring their paralytic friend to Jesus. Obviously, they may well have heard that Jesus healed the sick, and so they bring their friend to Jesus. They arrive at this house because of the numbers that were gathered there. They could not get anywhere near where Jesus was. Suddenly, one of them has an idea. Actually, if we climbed up on the roof, we could take off a few things, create a hole in the roof, and then let our friend down. They check with one another, brilliant idea. So they go ahead. So Jesus is teaching in this house. Suddenly, he discovers that there's somebody being lowered from the roof right to where he was sitting. And it's interesting. The Bible goes on to say Jesus marvels at the faith of, I'm guessing, not just the four friends, but also the paralytic. Jesus marvels at the faith of these guys. He looks at the paralytic, and then he says some pretty serious things. Now, before I get into that, I think we need to ask ourselves this question. Who can forgive 
sin. It is very, very, very clear in the Bible that forgiveness is a prerogative of God. It's very, very clear. And so uh, these passages in the Old Testament say to us, in, um, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, it says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. And Isaiah 43, verse 25 says to us, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. So forgiveness is something that only God and only God alone can effectively give. Jesus, as he looks at this paralytic, this is what Jesus says to the paralytic. He says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. Now the scribes or the Pharisees, they knew that forgiveness was a prerogative of God. They, they knew the scriptures well. They knew that it was only God who could forgive sin. Jesus in that moment in speaking forgiveness to the paralytic was trying to help them see that it wasn't just the fact that he had authority to forgive sin, but he was also very much God. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiving. All these guys knew that only God could forgive sin. Jesus, in that moment of bringing release to the paralytic, was trying to help them see that actually, I am not just a man I am God amongst you. Hence, I have the authority to forgive sin. Jesus helps them see he is God and so has power to actually speak forgiveness over people. You see, Jesus was wanting to highlight something very, very, very important. The fact that he is not only able to forgive sin, he also is eager to forgive sin. I would say that again. Jesus is not only able to forgive sin, he also is very eager to bring forgiveness. He can do it because he has the power and the authority. Jesus is God. And I just want to pause here for a moment. Just think about that. Jesus is eager and able to forgive sin. I have a seven or we have a seven-year-old son who is very passionate about football. He loves it a bit. He's eager to play. He loves Arsenal, but at the minute, he is not able to play for Arsenal. So in as much as he's eager, he has an Arsenal shirt that says Jedi on the back. It's even got number seven. He is not able to play for Arsenal at the minute. Jesus is both eager and able to forgive sin. 
no matter the sin. This morning, I just, I feel God wants to help us embrace Jesus afresh. Some of these things we know, not just head knowledge. Let Jesus speak to our hearts this morning. May we leave this place completely transformed by the truth of his word. He is able and eager to forgive. So Jesus, I, I want to just pray that we would see you as such this morning. The fact that you are not only able to forgive sin, but also the fact that you are eager to forgive. I thank you that in that moment when you declared, son, your sins are forgiven, you revealed something about the fact that you are very much God. You're fully God, but also fully man. And we want to stop in this place this morning and just acknowledge you as God. We want to stop in this place this morning and acknowledge you as the one who is able to forgive all sin. Amen. The story goes on. In verses 13, it says, Jesus went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the taxed booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. It's interesting. We see something of Jesus' heart as the forgiver. The fact that he does not reject sinners, but rather calls them to follow him. Jesus doesn't reject sinners. He calls them to follow him. Maybe the need for us to understand this a bit more. So at the time, tax collectors were probably the most hated people. The reason being that they were employed by the Romans to effectively collect taxes from the locals or the Jews at the time. And um, what these guys did was that they would go around and then just collect more money than was required of them. They would pay the Romans the correct amount and then any extras they kept for themselves. And so they were very wealthy because they effectively were stealing from the locals. And so the locals hated them, not just because they stole from them. They were their own people stealing from them, but also because they worked for the Romans. And one such man was Zacchaeus. We know of Zacchaeus in the Bible. So they were the most hated people at the time. Now Jesus comes in. He's walking by Levi's booth, who is another tax collector. And then he looks at Levi and says, follow me. People are thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? Do you know who this man is? Do you know him? You clearly do not know what he does. No, Jesus says, follow me. We see his heart as a forgiver. He calls a tax collector the worst of sinners, you could say. And he says, follow me. I, I want to do life with you. Come and follow me. Amazing that Jesus wouldn't reject people like that. 
Maybe God is wanting to challenge us this morning. A simple thing being people we sometimes reach out to. In our minds, we all have worked it out. This one, but not that one. This one, but not that one. I think Jesus would want to challenge us this morning and say to us, his heart is the heart of a forgiver. One who reaches out to anybody and everybody, no matter who they are or what they have done. He calls the worst of sinners to follow him. The story goes on. Jesus, in verse 15, it says that he reclined at the table in his house. There were many tax collectors and sinners. It's interesting the people Jesus hung around with. It's quite interesting. You don't hear that he's sitting with, you know, the, the high class of society. It was oftentimes there. I think I stopped myself there. I was going to say the riffraffs. But as, 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 that's what scripture teaches us. It was, it was people, nobody wanted to have anything to do with. So Jesus is sitting down, reclining at the table in his house. It says there's many tax collectors and sinners who were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. He's reclining. They are probably having a meal together. And it was quite a radical thing for Jesus to do, to sit down with tax collectors and sinners and have a meal together. In my culture, so I'm originally from Ghana, it's very much community-based. And so you do, so it's probably close to the culture of Jesus' time. Everything is done in community. And I remember one time, one of my friends and I visited his auntie and she was eating from a big bowl, basically a local traditional dish. But she was eating from a very big bowl. And when my friend and I arrived, his auntie said to us, wash your hands and come and join me. Now, for me, it was a pretty serious thing because she didn't know me. But she said, no, get water, wash your hands and join me, eat from the same bowl. This woman was basically extending friendship to me. She was saying, you're welcome to my home. I accept you even beyond friendship. I accept you as family. Come and eat with me. And so you know me, I have a good appetite. So I sit down and I dig in and I dig in and I dig in. And at the table of food, we would become very, very, very good friends. It was the same year. Jesus was extending a hand of friendship to these sinners and tax collectors. It was very radical in saying that, actually, I, I have come because of you. The reason why I came into the world was because of you. And if you're here today feeling... Why would Jesus want to have anything to do with me? Well, he helps us in verses 17. This is what he says. I'll backtrack. When Jesus had, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, 
but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. When you are well, you don't go seeking after a physician. When everything is fine, you don't go looking for a doctor to effectively see how your body is. It's oftentimes when you are unwell or when your body is not working well, that's when we call the surgery or we go into A&E. Just as doctors would seek out to serve people who are unwell, and oftentimes you sit with a doctor and at the end of the day, they may well come up with a diagnosis and all that and then prescribe medication and all that. The whole aim is to make you feel better. Jesus says he came for people who were sin sick. How exciting is that? People who are sin sick. If you're here today and thinking, ah, oh, he wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. No, he came for people who are sin sick. And the reason is because he's able to help you and me. He's able to make a way for you and for me. He's able to forgive every sin. He's able to change and transform our lives. He's able to break addictions. He's able to come through and bring through a brand new life. He says, I didn't come for the righteous. The righteous don't need any help. I came for sinners. And I just want to pause here again. Let's just close our eyes. And just again reflect on these things. Jesus did not come for the righteous. But for those who are sin sick. Jesus, I, I just pray that you would help us again, even as we pause here and reflect. Again, I pray for any who may well be grappling with this whole truth about you being the forgiver. I thank you, Lord, that we can receive your forgiveness today. Jesus, thank you. You came for each one of us here today. We can receive your forgiveness. And I pray that you would come and just review yourself again as the forgiver. Thank you, Jesus. There may be some here who are thinking or may well be thinking that actually... Jesus did not come for me. 
Sometimes we believe that God's heart is drawn to sin in other people's lives, but we struggle to actually embrace the fact that no, his heart, Jesus' heart is drawn to my sin. Jesus' heart is drawn to your sin. His heart is not just drawn to that person's sin. No, Jesus' heart is drawn to your sin and my sin. His heart is drawn to everyone's sin. He is very much for me as he is for you as well. His heart is for you. And he wants you to know that. This heart of the forgiver is for you. Not just for that person. Not just for that person. It is for you. Isaiah says to us, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Ephesians 1 verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to to the riches of his grace. So Jesus is the forgiver. In being able to forgive, he reveals his power and authority and the fact that he is very much God. Jesus is able and eager to forgive. Jesus does not reject sinners, but he actually has come for sinners. And finally, Jesus is the greatest physician, the only one who can deal with our problem of sin. He gives the right diagnosis, and he also offers the right treatment. You get all of this in the cross. Amazing, isn't it? Right diagnosis, best, bestest treatment as well. Shall we stand together? The worship band can come back up. We're just going to reflect on some of these truths. And um, as I pray to just finish off, my hope is that God himself will just draw us to himself more and more. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be at work, even as we continue to reflect on these truths, the fact that you are the forgiver, Jesus, you are the forgiver. May we receive your forgiveness today, but also always, I ask that in this next couple of minutes, even as we respond in one way or the other to you, Jesus, I pray for fresh revelation and understanding of who you are. You came for me. You came for us. And you are willing and ready to forgive. I pray, God, would you bring us to a place where we receive your forgiveness. We thank you. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen.